everyone, and welcome to another episode of We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I'm Brandon, here today with Paul. Yo, yo, what's up, people? Uh, here again to do our thing, to, uh, you know, enjoy our Star Trek generation. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, uh, let's get it. Let's go. And Dan's here, too. Yep, I'm here with both Brandon and Paul. That's correct. <laughs> both of us here. Uh <laughs> As always, Twitter slash X at WWST underscore podcast. Uh, merch link in the episode description. And we're watching Season 2, Episode 21, Patterns of Force. Original air date for this was February 16th, 1968. And we start with the Enterprise flying through space. And Spock informs Kirk that they're passing the outer planet called Zeon. Even though they, it's spelled Zeon, like Z-E-O-N, they say Zeon the whole time. Kind of drove me nuts. Yeah, um... It's, 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 it's actually based off of, it's actually based off of Mount Zion, like Zion, like religious. I, I, I read a bunch of like details about the episode and there's a whole lot of biblical references here. Like Zion's based on like Mount Zion and everybody's name here are kind of, it's kind of like biblical names. And one, and then one guy's named the Enid guy, his name that Gene Roddenberry, that Gene Roddenberry's name backwards. So they're like, yeah. the, so there's a lot of like small, all the names in here are kind of like biblical references. That's why it's, uh, that's why they use all that. So. Uh, fun fact, my name backwards is Nodnarb, and it's terrible. It doesn't work in any sort of, like, alien language or anything. It's mine a is, shit name. Mine is Luap, so. <laughs> well, yeah, Luap. Well, if you just go by my, you know, by Dan, which isn't my real name, full name, but I'd be Nad. Nad. Yeah, What's I'm going to call you Nad from now on. <laughs> I think Nad works. <laughs> I think we're going to start calling you Nad from now on. Nad. Uh... Kirk says that uh, they want to go to the inner planet called Echos, which again looks like it's Ecos, but it's Echos. And he tells Chekhov to plot a standard orbit, and then he goes to Ahura and tells her to try to contact John Gill on Starfleet Communications. And if you look behind them, there's just a picture on a screen of John Gill. Like, it's really weird to see it. Like, they just left it up there for some reason. Like, they're just admiring him all day. Yeah, I I, I guess it's for us as the audience to have a reference to what he looks like. But then again, we don't care what he looks like. Right, like, like they yeah, could we'll not show us. Eventually. Like we, when when we see him later, we would think, "Oh, that's John Gill." Then we know what it looks like. So I don't know why the picture will be out there. I find it kind of weird myself, but you know, I, I let it go pretty quick. I was like, "Eh, let it go." For being in the future, also the picture looked very old timey. Yes, yeah, like they took it with an old camera and then put it on their computer screen. Oh, like, let's you, get that eighteen oh, nineties camera and take a picture they of four K cameras. Bro. <laughs> they didn't got four K <laughs> cameras back in the nineteen seventies <laughs> or whatever. So. I don't think they could make a really good picture of it no matter what. Yeah, but just it's just so weird. Like in universe, it's weird to have that just sitting on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Every time anybody walks by, there's just a picture of this guy on screen for no reason. Yeah. Uh, But McCoy says uh, they've been trying to reach him for six months, and he thinks that it's unlikely that he's going to receive them now. And Kirk says that he doesn't know, and he's there to find out because he doesn't know. Uh, Spock says that he's never met Gil, but he studied Earth's history from the text that Gil has prepared. And Kirk reveals that Gil was his instructor at the Academy and that he knew him very well. Spock says that he is mostly impressed by Gil's treatment of Earth history as causes and motivations rather than dates and events, which I think probably would have helped me pass history class a little yeah. better because dates, dates and events are my weak point. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that uh, reference, actually. That's a good that's a good uh, reference about um studying history for the cause and the fact rather than uh, just dates. Uh, so Uhura interrupts him and says that they haven't received a response on any channel yet. And then Chekhov announces that there's a spacecraft approaching from the inner planet. And Spock checks his scanner and he believes that it's a Zeon ship. And he says that they do have a crude interplanetary capability. 
and that it's a reaction-powered small rocket on an intercept course, and he thinks that it has a sophisticated detection device, which neither Zeon nor Echo should have at this point. So Kirk asks Uhura if she's raised anyone, but she hasn't, which is a really weird time to ask. Like, there's something coming for them, and he's just like, hey, you get a hold of a John Gill yet? <laughs> I know it's been 30 seconds, but... Spock says that it's an unmanned probe and that it seems to be carrying a warhead. So Kirk orders Chekhov to stand by with phasers, and then they uh, check the rocket's range, and then they shoot at it, and they just blow it up. And Spock says that it was a thermonuclear warhead, and McCoy points out that it's generations ahead of where the Zeon and Echo's people should be, and Kirk wonders, he's like, how, like, did they have help developing that? Yes, and Dr. Then, Evil. Uh, yes, and that, that's Laser. when we they, like, zoom in on the picture of John Gill, but it's kind of weird coming off, like, the episodes that we just did, uh, when he's like, how could they have possibly have had this? Like, it's so yeah. ahead of their time. Like, you literally just went through a situation where the Klingons were doing this exact thing <laughs> with another situation, like another civilization. Yeah. And like helping them advance through technology. So, well, like, I would immediately go, damn Klingons. Yeah, we, we just always <laughs> watch that episode, though. So like for us, it's more like whatever. So I don't, they don't do a lot of like references in the episode to be like, oh, this episode happens then. And the next one, happens. like it's right. not in like chronological order. So maybe right. this this may have happened like before that or after that. So like I I get what you're saying. It could have been months ago or years ago. Like it's kind of hard to to know that because I haven't seen one reference in here very often. Like in the thing where it's like something happens before and they reference it later. Like and it's like time like they keep a the it's kind of basic timeline a lot in this show, right. which I've noticed. So yeah, that's that's the one thing I wish that we got was a better explanation of how long it has been since like the last episode. Because man, if these things are happening like. You know, Weekly, even like, week to week, it's yeah. it's a lot, man. This crew would just be stressed out and burnt out and just everybody would need to rest a lot. Like when I watched uh, Sons of Anarchy, right? When that show originally aired yeah. and I watched it every week and then there's like space between for like seasonal breaks and all that stuff. It's like, OK, man, that's a lot going on. But, you know, at least it's not all at once. And if you binge through it now, it's like it just never ends. Like it never stops for these guys. Like the bullshit just never ends. And that's yes. how it is for this show. Like, yeah, if you just keep get, watching uh, it. We get references about how long it's been since they've been to certain places. So we get a reference of time. But even then, we don't know how long it's been. Because, like, oh, I haven't been here for five years. And we're like, well, how long have we been traveling for? Even though right. even though the first, I thought the um, the very beginning of the episode said it's five-year mission. Yes. So, like, it's supposed to be. So all this is supposed to take, put this within five years. I'm assuming right. that the first three years supposed to take place between five years. So I guess we can use it as a reference for how long each episode is and do like, oh, this is one month, two months, three months. Like we kind of use that at the same time. I just, uh, I have no idea. Time reference is kind of weird here. Well, it'd just be nice if they did like callbacks to past episodes for similarities that's going right. on currently. Well, if you, um, anytime you look at the, uh, I, I watch, once again, guys, I'm watching on Prime Video, Prime Video, Parent Prime Plus. So I get like X-ray trivia in the corner. And normally it tells you what year it takes each episode takes place in in their in their timeline actually. Oh, yeah, it'll hmm. tell me it'll tell me what year uh, each episode takes place. So I could use that as a reference for now on if everybody wants to. I can always mention it for now on when I see it and write it down. Because yeah, uh, I wonder if some you, nerds got around and like actually did the math and figured it out, or if like <laughs> they knew how much time passed when you know writing the show at the time. Yeah, yeah. It, it they, they could just I'm, at the beginning of the episode been like, hey. You remember six months ago when we met those disembodied spirits in jars? Like, yeah, that was a crazy thing that happened six months ago. <laughs> then we know at least. <laughs> yeah, they said this know, episode takes place in uh, 2268, it says. Yeah, but that's a, I mean, that's a big year. Was it, yeah, yeah like, so 
in guess October so, of twenty sixteen. So I have to start. So what I'll do if, when I mention, I'll start writing them down. And then I was like, okay, since last episode has been this long, and if we can go from there and see if it's st- still, it just tells me the year. Maybe to say, maybe to keep the same year, same or same. Uh, I might say month. I'm not sure, but right now it just says year. So I start keeping track. Come to think I'll of it. it up. Oh, they Why haven't we cr- gotten a Christmas episode? We did. Christmas episode. We got a Christmas episode? I don't yeah, think we did. Uh, no, yeah. No, yeah. we didn't get no Christmas episode. Yeah, that's what we did. No, there's been no Christmas in this. There, there's been some... There, I swear there was a Christmas episode. It took place around Christmas. Something happened. And it was, it was, no, it was, it was like air December something. It aired around Christmas or something. I swear it was. I, I don't remember this either. Oh man, I, I I gotta look up. I, I gotta we're gonna figure it out. No, later, I mean guys. like a, not like a Christmas themed episode. Like go to Christmas Planet or something. Oh yeah, I don't know. I'm curious now. Yeah, nothing. I'm researching nothing. now. We're gonna redo research later, guys. Where we're mimicking <laughs> and we're just uh, going talking. You <laughs> know, Chris, Christmas Planet and like oh, did Futurama take uh, inspiration from we that? We got Halloween yeah. Planet either, or Thanksgiving Planet either, or or Easter Planet. Right. We don't have any kind of holiday yeah. references in here. Yeah, why not? So maybe they have given up on holidays. Could be. Yeah, by now. Uh, but anyway, we get the show opening from there, and then we come back, and Kirk has checkoff point, plot a maximum orbit to stay out of range of detection devices, and Spock talks about how they were attacked by uh, missiles that the planet shouldn't have. So Chekhov locks in the orbit as Uhura notes that they still have not received a response from anyone, and McCoy believes that John Gill is dead, and that he wants to know what's happening on Echoes. So Spock says that according to their records, the Ecosians are a primitive, warlike people in a state of anarchy. And Zeon has a relatively high technology, but its people are peaceful. Kirk decides that he and Spock are going to beam down to the planet and that he wants McCoy to prepare a subcutaneous transponder in case they can't use their communicators. And this is something that's going to drive me crazy. Why don't they have them in them already? Yes. Well, why haven't we not done this before? Right. I, I, I put that down. I, I, I was like, uh, well, w- when he said that, though, I kind of didn't catch that part. And when he went later on, when they bring it up later, I'm like, I, I didn't see they put just put him in there for this mission. I didn't, I didn't see that part. I must have been looking away. So, like, yeah. now, now I'm even more confused. Why don't they always have these in them? Yeah, it was basically right. pl- plot armor for later on. Like, oh, this is going to come in uh, play later on. Right. Maybe it was just invented while they were traveling this this time. They, they, I don't yeah, know. They, there you go. They just got that technology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody give, just had the idea. We'll give them that excuse. We'll give them that excuse for now. They just created it at the same time. You know, I just, it's a, I thought they should be in them for always. They can do that anyway. So, right. You know, not to let I it mean, drive me crazy that I'm going to accept that as the canon. As they, they just, just created came up it. With they, they literally just came up with it. Okay. I'll accept it too. That's, that's how we're doing it. <laughs> All right, these this was a test run. <laughs> so we go a little bit later, and Kirk and Spock are they're just wearing plain old clothes, and McCoy is injecting a transponder into their forearms, and Kirk orders Scotty to make one low pass to communication range in three hours, and if they fail to make contact at the appointed time, then he should take their coordinates from the transponder and beam them aboard, no matter what their condition may be. What? How smart is that? Yeah, just just get us out of here, no matter what's going what? on. If we yep. don't, if you don't get a hold of us, he's what? like, We're, "I'm tired of all this trying to get a hold of you. You trying to get a hold of us? Stuff we keep doing." Uh, how, mad, how mad would Kirk have been if he was about to hook up and <laughs> <laughs> he just gets taken? Yeah, he's about to get his <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh, again!" He's like, no, no, beat me back, beat me back, Monica. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, Scotty acknowledges, and Kirk and Spock go to the transporter, and they get beamed down to the planet. Okay, delay game. Delay game. Let's, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why are we beaming in the middle of town still? Uh, every time. 
I, I every just, time. I just don't get it. It drives me crazy. Like I think one time we we been outside of town, like recently when um when we went to the uh, Garden of Eden plant and we went to see our little uh, permanent place and we been we been outside and we came with permanent clothes. Yeah, and they walked in. Why yeah. are we been in the middle of town? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like last time we had the one with the um. The 1920s one, they'd be in the middle of town yeah. where everybody had guns. Right in the middle of town, yeah. And yeah no one it was phased, you know, no one's ever phased by like, hey, yeah. people just magically appeared in well, front of us. because nobody's ever in the streets for some reason. Yeah. They, 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 they beam down to these cities and nobody's ever there. Yeah, nobody's right where they're at. Like, I just find it very weird that we beam in the middle of town. Like, why don't we be I, outside I, I wonder town if you do like in? a pre-scan, like, all right, there's no people in this no. lo- location. I, like in universe, like they check like areas where they can beam them down to, where like, okay. there's nobody around. If you're able to do that, then why aren't you scanning to see the radio frequencies to see what's going on? Uh, scanning the with a with a camera to see what's going on. If you, I could transport you, why can't I see what's going on down there real quick? You do a, a, a quick like video scan to see what's going on, so I can meet the proper the proper etiquette of clothes, or I can come in without having to land there first and then research. Like, because then the plot would be boring. Oh, I just, <laughs> that's, that's the only reason why they don't do this is yeah. because then they would avoid so much of the uh, like of the action and the, everything the that initial, happens. The initial ridiculous at the beginning. Yeah, I guess you're yeah. right about that. I guess. It's just it's it's yeah it's reverse plot armor actually. Yeah, it's like oh we're, it, it would be kind we're, of we're funny so advanced, though they like dumb enough to where we're going to middle of a forest and there's like a space tiger right there. Yeah. yeah. We're advanced, but we're dumb enough that we can't figure out why we can't just scan down there, scan radio frequencies, be like, you yeah. know what? Nazi stuff's going on there. Maybe we should come up down as Nazis already. I mean, <laughs> then we'd never get any confrontation. Yeah, I just, I just, I mean, still, just, but the, but the plot would be there. They're still trying to be sneaky and try to get through it, so the plot is still there. But their level right. of intelligence seems smart enough to be like, oh, you know what? We're advanced enough not to be idiots and, and do dumb stuff. So, yeah, maybe Kirk just likes to jump in blind and just have fun with it. No, he's kind of a, know, he's kind of a wing it type guy. Yeah, they're like, listen, Captain. There's something important we need to tell you. He's like, don't tell me nothing. Just don't beam tell me nothing. And just just stick me right in the middle of the city. <laughs> yeah, I just want to have fun with it. <laughs> I'll figure it out from there. <laughs> That's the kind of Kurt thing. So I'll take that for you. That's Kurt. That Kurt's way. We're just we're just inventing the the canon for this today. Yeah, we are. Uh, so, but yeah, we're on the planet, and Spock notes that the Ecosians are humanoids, so there's going to be some similarity to their architecture, which I thought would look like France. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that just looked like they were in France, honestly, uh, like '40s France. Yeah. Well, the the what is it? The later on in the episode, the chick had the like the the beret on, or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they walk for a minute, and then suddenly, some some guy just falls down behind them, and uh, he yells at them to go and hide because somebody is right behind them. And uh, Kirk and Spock, they hide, and three guys uh, surround the man on the ground, and then they start kicking him, and they're calling him a Zeon pig. And then the camera pans up to their faces, and I was like, those those look like they're supposed to be Nazi uniforms. And then they they pan down, and they are legit just straight-up Nazis. Nazis yep. Swastika armband and everything. <laughs> I did not expect that in Star Trek. Uh, one moment, just so you guys know. Nazis. Uh, this episode did not go well for the people recording. Apparently, I found out that uh, most of the people on the crew were Jewish. Oh, like including I think also including uh, um, Spock himself, Leonard Nimoy too. A lot of people were Jewish. Oh, so they, had a, they had him in the uniform. Yeah, so like they had him in uniform, and I saw that he wouldn't take pictures. So he didn't do any press for this episode because he had to go do his uh, Jewish thing. I'm not uh, listen, guys. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know nothing about Jew- Jewish people. Yeah, nothing you just at don't all. know. Yeah. Yeah, so they had both some Jewish ceremony thing going on for a while. I've seen whatever they do. And he didn't want to have pictures with it because he didn't want it to be no controversy going on. He was Jewish doing it. 
And apparently most of the crew was Jewish or whatever. So episode got written. It kind of went a certain way. I know that one of the actresses in this episode, her her family actually fled Nazi Germany. So after she did it, and it finally was talking about, she never acted again. Like the girl, oh. the, the the blonde lady we see later, the actress, she uh she quit acting after this because apparently her family was so ashamed that she did this with an, a swastika on her that like she got I don't know ridiculed or whatever. She never acted again. So. Well, and they're yeah, not I mean, they're not too far removed from World War II at this point either. Yeah, we're only twenty eight years from the end of World War II, so like that's still very fresh in people's yeah, minds. So, like, yeah, so a lot of people, so a lot of people, issue, a lot of Jewish people in here, and they said, it, it, you know, I they mean, said, you think that like a lot of the people that fought in World War II at the the time of this being filmed are not much older than we are now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So yeah, I, it's I still, still very fresh. Yeah, I mentioned to you guys because I knew that I saw that uh, I read that in in, in uh, trivia how it was very controversial. A lot of people, so it just kind of rubbed some a lot of crew the wrong way. At the same time, it was a show, so they had a job to do, and and that's still what they was going for. So. Yeah, and uh, I, this episode was also obviously banned in Germany until the '90s when they started loosening up their restrictions on the portrayal of Nazi symbolism and all that in uh, in cinema. Yep. So yeah, this this episode was not shown until the '90s in Germany. Yeah, I saw a reference uh, about that too. I just forgot to bring that part up. But yep. I was also curious, and I looked up because I was like, "Man, those uniforms are really well made for Star Trek." And it's not that they don't have good costume design, but they were really detailed. And apparently, because this is Paramount, and they had made films about World War II, they yep. ended up having access to uh, props and, and costumes from some of the movies. That they had shot, so that's yeah, they why shot a nineteen thirties. Yep, I saw a nineteen thirties uh, Nazi movie they had shot or something like that. Now they went ahead and uh, used the costumes for that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just straight up Nazis, and uh, they pick this guy up and they throw him against the wall, and uh, the the Nazis tell him they're like, "Hey, keep your hands above your head so you don't touch anything ecosian." And it's like, "Well, I'm touching the air. Like, it's your air. <laughs> well, they touching the wall also, so yeah." Yeah, so uh, Kirk gets he gets ready to jump in because he wants to go fight some Nazis, and Spock reminds him of the non-interference directive. And uh, the Nazis they hit the guy with a baton, and then they just take him away, kind of half-assed. Um, so Kirk and Spock they talk about the uniforms and how they are just straight Nazis. And uh, then a screen turns on nearby them, and it's got an announcement from uh, Fuhrer headquarters. I never thought I'd be talking about the Fuhrer in Star Trek. It's yeah, just so weird. <laughs> this, yeah. this really caught me off guard. I was like, no way, dude. Um, yeah, the announcement says that the Fuhrer has ordered the glorious capital to be made Zeon free and starting at dawn, their heroic troops began flushing out the Zeon monsters who have been poisoning their planet. And Kirk is there. He's just wondering, he's like, how could this be happening? He's like the chances of another planet developing a culture like Nazi Germany and using their forms and symbols and uniforms of the 20th century earth are so fantastically slim. And Spock's like, yeah, it's, it's virtually impossible, but the evidence is quite clear. So the announcement continues on the screen and it shows a, a rocket being launched and the announcer reports that they have repulsed an attack by a Zeon spacecraft and that the craft was utterly destroyed. And Kirk looks to Spock and he says that Spock looks quite well for a man who's been utterly destroyed. <laughs> and Spock's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. yeah, a lot of the uh, uh, imagery used in the, was actually World War II uh, footage. Yeah. Oh yeah, you could tell. Yeah, yeah, actual footage they had. They used, actually used real footage as, as the, they kind of entered it in here and there. And stuff like that. So it's all real footage. So, do you think if they didn't have access to that footage, that there's any way in hell in this time period that they would be able to get a group of people together to do the Nazi salute? I don't even know. Just, just for TV. Like, I, I feel I, like there's no way. I mean, they're do, well, they're what, doing it throughout the whole episode, though. 
Right, but I mean, like a crowd that large the, from like the footage I, I'm not that sure. they used. I'm not sure. That's like, look, we need we need about a thousand of you to come in here and just you know <laughs> do, do all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that would. happen. I, I don't know. It might be a little like it would be controversial, but man, like 28 years after World War II, like I mean, now you salutes. can do it though. But but Brandon's right about the whole like you got to think about the time though. Like there's been a, there's been a lot more time that for us particularly, you know. Yeah, that's like that's like 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 people freeing the slaves and making like a, a free slave like a slave movie like right afterwards or something like that, you know, like yeah, or something like that. Like the time period would be too quick, too close or whatever. So it's yeah, like right. I understand the whole time references. My issue with this episode, like not to not to get whatever, it's like I don't know a lot about Jewish and Nazi issues or or, or the way Nazi things, whatever. So a lot of references, a lot of like cultural things in there. I don't under, a lot of it I don't understand, or I, I you know so so I didn't find it too offensive myself, and it's been a long time too. So maybe if I was Jewish, I'd feel a little bit. I might feel like a little bit different about this, and I might knew something about know something about it. But uh, overall, I just didn't like. It was just it, just, it was just interesting to me. Uh, this episode doesn't really have the uh, tact that the other ones have when they're tackling social issues. Like this one's just a straight up reminder that the Nazis were bad. That, <laughs> it's, it's really, like it's, it's just very straightforward. In like case hey, you forgot. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah, they, they did horrible things and uh, was bad, still is bad. And then here's our episode about it. Like they, you know, normally they try to like they hide it, not not hide it, but they kind of disguise it in a more clever way where like the meaning is still there, but it's applied in a different way. And this is just straight up just <laughs> like, yeah, in, in yeah. your face. Like, yeah, it was bad is bad. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they continue watching the screen, and there's a uh, footage from the crowd doing a Nazi salute, and then uh, they get followed by some footage of a woman receiving the Iron Cross. And the announcer says that the woman, whose name is Daris, is the hero of the fatherland, and he says that preparations are going forward to the final decision. And he ends by saying, "Death to Zeon, and long live the fatherland, and long live the Fuhrer, and all that good stuff." And then he salutes something that's off the screen, and the camera pans to show a picture of their Fuhrer, John Gill. And we know it's him because they were looking at the picture of him on the <laughs> ship. Also, the music said that it was him, and Kirk was pretty sure that it was him. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't. We didn't need that first picture, though. Like, we didn't need that first picture at all. Still, no, no, we didn't. Yeah, the context clues and Kirk immediately going, "That's John Gill." <laughs> so that's they must have really thought people in 1970 watching movie really dumb. Like every once in a while, they show things <laughs> to make it like obliv- oblivious. I'm like, yo, that's too much. Like, yeah. And dun, 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 uh, even the music, you know, it's like, come on. You know, what was not really dumb was the music during this whole scene. Like their little like military kind of style music yeah. for this episode. I thought was really well made. Yeah. So, yeah, Kirk immediately recognizes John Gill. And uh, then a soldier comes up behind them. Uh, I don't know if you want to call him an SS soldier or stormtrooper. I think they were called stormtroopers, but that just sounds like we're talking about Star Trek or Star Wars now. <laughs> well, um, those stormtroopers, they would have been easily defeated because they can't hit anything. Yes, that's true. Yep, they never would have made it this far. But yeah, one of them comes up behind them with a gun, and they approach him, and uh, he asks what kind of monsters the Zeons are sending against them. He's like, yeah, like you guys are clearly not one of us. So Kirk then pushes Spock into a wall, and he's like, Spock's not one of us. How did and Soldier gets really confused for a second. Like he's that. like, wait a minute. Yeah, wait he's a minute, like, wait, wait one of us? Like, are like, you you're mean? not one of us either. Like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Kirk just knocks out the, the soldier. Where he just chops him in the neck. Isn't the old judo, judo chop. chop? Yeah, judo chop. Yep. Yeah, everybody just everybody can pass off a judo chop. You know, a lot of people don't understand that joke, and it's that there are no chops in judo. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but anyway. Oh, yeah, judo's a throwing thing. That's right. Judo's a throwing form. I never even thought about that. He just said that up. Said this now. 
Oh yeah, my he, gosh. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really dumb. I'm really dumb right now. I know Judo. That's the third thing. Why would I not know this not a hey, Judo wait, shop? They only have one Judo shop because you know it's so effective. They didn't have to come up with any other. Yeah, they don't need more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, karate has chops, not Judo. Okay, you're right. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna put that in my head now. Thanks for that. I didn't know that. So Kirk tells Spock to take the man's uniform so they can pass as Nazis to get close to John Gill, and Spock's like, "Yeah, it's a good idea." Oddly enough. And then we get Spock in a Nazi uniform that I never thought I was going to see. Never even like, it, not that I never, not that, not that it was like, oh, I really want to see Spock in a Nazi uniform. I, it's just the thought literally never entered my it's brain. It's not that as that good as evil Spock with the goatee or gangster Spock. Like, yeah, yeah, gangster Spock is easily my you favorite. You know, that's one thing so though, right? He don't have Spock on him. Oh, did he not? Okay. No, he doesn't. I, I know. I know that just now watching it, just now Wait. he don't have one. And Do I'm, any of the like regular guard guys have swastikas on them? A, a lot. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I know that. I know there may be something he really. I believe it, a lot of the guards did have the swastikas on them. I, I know a lot of people had them, so I know a lot of times. So I've been noticing recently that, like, since I I read about him not not wanting to really portray it, I've been so I'm double watching it right now, and I've been looking really closely at certain people don't have swastikas. I'm not sure if it's a if it's certain people refuse to wear them, or if it's just reference of what, the outfit they're wearing. So I'm kind of paying attention now. Right. Well, I mean, good for him. If he didn't want to and they said, okay, you don't have to, I didn't notice. So it obviously didn't take anything away from the episode. It's not like I was like the studying the insignia and all that. Spock. Yeah. Like, well, wait, the only I thought about it because that one girl, she quit acting after because she wore one and her right. family got ridiculed. So that's how to look now. Right. Which is wild because not to go back to that, but it's like she's literally just pushing forward the message that the Nazis were evil. Because literally like, her family's anyone. like, no. Well, well, but yeah, but like, if I, I, I didn't get to read the details, but I saw this said her family fled Nazi Germany like her her mom and dad did. Right. So they were literally like one generation from it. So to them, yeah. I could see them getting super offended that their daughter would be in a TV show wearing a swastika, a symbol of hate they had in their life. Right, you know? and I get that, but she's literally wearing it to fight them from like the inside. Like she's not like playing a Nazi, she's an anti-Nazi who's using their stuff to fight them. Well, like, I, I, I get, the, the I get it. The bigger issue is but, that they could have picked any attractive woman to play that role that's not Jewish. Yeah, and right. it could have, and it could have matter what. So when she told her parents about the thing, apparently she never said about how to wear the swastika. Once they saw the swastika, they she got start, started getting the stuff from the story I read. Yeah, like, I mean, the, yeah, I so. get it, but but at the same time, yeah. Um. So yeah, anyway, uh, Kirk's wearing the uniform. Or Spock is wearing the uniform, and Kirk notes that uh, the helmet's going to cover a multiple multitude of sins, those being his ears and possibly his haircut. And uh, so they're walking, <laughs> and we uh, don't like the haircut. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's not great. It's just you know. I w- I wouldn't get that haircut. <laughs> um, yeah, they're walking, and a Gestapo officer stops them and asks, "What's going on?" And Spock says that he has captured a Zeon, as is the correct procedure with enemies of the Fatherland. And Spock then allows the officer to take Kirk. He's like, here, you go ahead and take this guy. And as soon as they start to walk away, Spock knocks him out with the Vulcan nerve pinch. So then Spock offers the uniform to Kirk. And he's like, Kirk's like, yeah, it's a shame that your uh, uniform isn't as attractive as mine is. And Spock says that Kirk should make a very convincing Nazi. (laughs) uh, The the look that Kirk gives him is like. He's like, really? It's like like that? Yeah, like what? (laughs) Uh, so then they approach a building and they pass another officer who salutes them as they walk by and Kirk salutes back, but Spock does not. So the officer asks, he's like, hey, have you forgotten how to salute? 
and then Spock does salute. But then the officer demands Spock's papers, and Kirk explains to him that he wants to see the orders in his jacket pocket. So Kirk then explains that Spock is a little bit dazed because he's captured several Zeons single-handed and that one of the pigs struck him before he dropped. And he promises that that pig will never get up again. And the officer's like, great work. And he just salutes them and uh, they go to walk away. But before they can get too far, he the officer turns and stops them again. And he says that Spock should see a doctor because he looks unwell because his skin color is a little bit off. And Spock's like, yes, I'll do that. And the for some reason, the that officer's like, him okay. That triggered to like, ask more yeah. questions. T- take off your helmet. And Kirk tries to argue about it, but there's two guards nearby, and they show up, and they point their guns at Kirk and Spock, and Spock removes his helmet, which shows his ears and his haircut. And uh, we go to commercial break from there. So we come back, and uh, they're being whipped. Kirk and Spock are just straight up being whipped. It, by, by whipped. The whip looks like something that they pulled from the bedroom and not something from a medieval <laughs> <Yes>. torture <laughs> chamber. <laughs> and the man is not very, he's not really swinging that very hard. Uh, he's just, just kind of a not, light They're being whipped, by the way. They're being flogged. I think oh, it's called sorry, flogged. Being flogged. Yes. Yeah, it's that's right. It's that, not that actually, whip. It, it matters for reference. It's actually yep, flogged, that, which is fair. why that's the, that's that's why you thought about the, the, oh, the, okay. uh, the bedroom thing because the flog is not a whip. I mean, it's, yeah. That's fair. Flogged. But yeah, I think my, 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 my I most weird thing about this. Fl- I was waiting for Kurt to get slightly turned on by it. <laughs> well, I just the word the, I found the red marks very very awkward. Like the the yeah. cost the, the the makeup was very done terribly. Like it, it didn't hold up and it looks bad. I said somebody took yeah. a red marker and just went. I mean, on their bodies that's or what whatever. It like. Like, and for for a show that's been I've I've praised their costume design. Like costume design, I praise them about them. But the fact they could notice how like terrible these whip marks look is kind of weird to me. Like that's a better. I don't know how they could did it better. I don't know what it, I don't know what it could have did, but it looks really bad. I wonder. I wonder if it looked better through uh, '60s technology, like '60s TVs. I wonder if it looked any different. Like looking oh, better be. because we're watching a remastered version on like 4K screens. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, and also like even with the even Spock's looked really bad too. A little bit just took like green markers on Spock. Just a little light green some lines yeah. on them. Yeah, I, I love there's and, oh, no and, and like, continuity errors than that though. Like I'm glad no one like hey put red marks on Spock for blood. I, I'm glad oh, they yeah. like, yeah, like, no like oh he's, no he's got green blood. Another reference by the way, shirtless Spock. So that screenshot yeah. must be them shirtless by the way because it's the first time we get them both together shirtless. <laughs> this, is, this is the one. They're Ooh, both that shirtless. is right. We do. Yeah, I don't know though. Damn, they're, that's a contender for sure. They're, they're, they've only uh, so I saw reference. There's only twice in the show that uh, this a uh, Charlotte Spock, and this is the second one. Apparently, there was reference. They, huh. they said one time earlier, and I didn't, they didn't know about it. And this time, they said, "Yeah, yeah, so, I remember it, but I don't remember what episode it was in." Probably the one where he was one person married that Spock, that girl, and they were fighting the Vulcan one, where they're fighting the the one guy, the battle. Is, is this going to be the picture that you used for the episode? It's a contender now that he mentions yeah, it. Yeah, I just... I really wanted one of them, like, all in uniform as yeah, well. It's, 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 I know, for real. It's, it's kind of a combination of both, but, you know, you never see Shirley Spock. We're never going to see Nazi right. Spock either, probably, again, so... Right. <laughs> what I what I also like about this is that every time uh, Kirk gets hit, he flinches, and Spock just kind of Does looks not, mildly annoyed you know, every right. time he gets hit. <laughs> I saw that, too. He's like, you know, go do what you do. He's like, just in it, like, man, he don't care. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, can you can you hit a little harder, a little lower? I got a slight itch down there. <laughs> have we? How many times have we even seen Spock like scream in pain for real? Like, very not, rare, very rarely, right? Yeah, like even when he got literally shot with like with a rifle, he just oh he was yeah, pretty okay with it. Hey, I've been shot. 
<laughs> yeah, let me let me get up and walk on my own volition. Like I'll be fine. I, I know when they were they, when they were um they had the guys uh minds in their body whatever it was that one one was recently and it was yeah. uh, somebody else the other guy was sad. I, I saw him like scream out in pain or whatever and act different. But I I can't remember Spock like actually actually he was hurt like for real. So right, yeah. So he don't care about this. Um, but the, the Nazis stop flogging them and they try to get them to confess that they are there to kill the Fuhrer, but they're not talking. Kirk just basically keeps saying that he just needs to see the Fuhrer. Yeah, like, what and, is uh, this, the Wizard of Oz? We're off to see the Wizard. I mean, the Fuhrer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the interrogator tries to persuade Kirk to talk by saying that it'll make things easier for Spock, but Kirk, again, isn't buying. He's like, I don't really like Spock anyway. I'll make it as difficult for him as possible. Uh, then a man uh, named Chairman Enig. Chairman's not his name. Enig is his name. Chairman is his position. But he is Chairman Enig. And he enters the room. And uh, the major that's flogging them uh, kind of fills him in on his interrogation efforts. So Enig approaches Spock and notes that he's not from Zeon. And Spock's just kind of like, obviously. <laughs> like, what, what was your first guess? <laughs> and uh, he asks where they're from. And Kirk says that he'll explain when he gets to see the Fuhrer. So Enig asks what his business with the Fuhrer is, but Kirk says that he's only going to discuss it with the Fuhrer. So the Major rams his baton into Kirk's kidneys and reminds him that he's speaking to the chairman of the party. Enig then asks about the weapons that were found on Kirk, but Kirk doesn't answer him. And Enig tells the Major that their laboratories have been unable to discover how the weapons work. So the Major wants a few more minutes with him to interrogate them, but Enig's just like, you've already had a few minutes, like what have you done with that time? And he says that the trouble with the SS is that they don't realize that punishment becomes ineffective after a certain point because men just become insensitive. But I feel like they would not have reached that point yet. There's still more punishment that can be given. Yeah, they, they, so. yeah. I thought the torture was pretty light for them being Nazis, honestly. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, once you find out later that it, a spoiler alert, guys, episode, watch this one. Yeah. Before, uh, when you find Enig is part of the thing, you kind of get it. But once again, guys, Enig is Gene Roddenberry's name backwards, just so you guys know. So, yeah. I brought it up earlier, but, you know. Yeah, so uh, Enig tells the Major to lock him up, and he says that he'll question them later, but the Major argues, and he says that the standard procedure is to interrogate, then execute, and the interrogation part is finished. So Enig asks, he's like, well, what did you learn in your interrogation? And uh, the guy just doesn't say anything. He just (laughs) just stands there. (laughs) So uh, Enig tells them to hold them for an hour. So the Major tries to argue, but then he gives in because Enig's like, you know, that's an order. Like, you don't want to disobey an order for me. And Kirk and Spock are put into a cell next to the guy that was captured on the streets a little bit earlier. And then they're all left alone to talk for some reason. <laughs> There's no guard anywhere nearby. Um, Kirk talks about how Gil was the kindest, gentlest man he ever knew. And for him to be a Nazi is just impossible. So the man in the cell next to them asks why Kirk and Spock were taken. And he says, he's like, well, you're not Zeons. Like, why, why are you here? And Spock asks, he just kind of completely ignores this guy's questions which is it's just something they do throughout the whole episode they just completely ignore anything that he asks yeah but spock's like well why do the nazis hate zeon and the man says that without them hating zeons there'd be nothing to hold the nazis together so the party built the zeons into a threat to be wiped out back spock asks if uh, zeon is a threat to the nazis and the man says that their warlock their warlike period ended dozens of generations ago and that uh, they thought that they were there to help civilize the Ecosians. So Kirk asks if they were like this when the Zeons first arrived, and the guy says that uh, they were warlike, but they were not vicious, and that that started when the Nazi movement began a few years ago. So Spock points out that it coincides with the time of John Gill's arrival. 
And the man says that the Nazis will attack the Zeon planet with uh, the technology that the Zeons have given them. And uh, that taking a life is so repugnant that the Zeons will probably go down without a struggle at all. And he says that after what he's seen in the streets that day, that he thinks he could kill somebody. Um, and he does. And, um, see, and this is when, like, when I get to the end, I'll explain it more. But this kind of episode kind of, like, started losing me. Because it's the same as last. It's the same as a couple episodes referenced before, without killing, not killing, and being like uh, other people are strong or whatever, and um, right and stuff like that. It's kind of the, it's kind of a plot that I loved the first time, and this time I'm like, are we are we going to do this again right now? Like this is going to be our new crutch. So you know, yeah, it, we threw a Nazi skin on it and yeah, did it again. Yeah. So Kirk thinks that uh, if they can get into the laboratory, they can get their weapons back, and they could stop the slaughter of the Zeons. And uh, the guy wonders why Kirk would be interested in helping them. But uh, he just tells Spock that they have to get their communicators and contact the ship. So once again, Kirk just completely ignores him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Spock points out that they're still trapped in the spell cell. He's like, yeah, like all this sounds awesome, but uh, we're kind of stuck here. So Kirk then looks at the transponder in his forearm and he comes up with a plan using the light bulb in the cell that they're in. And without having to say anything about it, Spock just completely understands. And he says that they can use the rubidium crystals in their transponders. So Kirk just goes to the little like cot that they have in the cell and just starts ripping it apart, and he pulls off a piece of a metal cross brace from in there. That does and not then look we... sharp enough to cut into the skin, mind you. No, but this is like one of the most hardcore things they've done in this series is they <laughs> yeah. use this like supposedly sharp edge to dig the transponder out of their forearms. <laughs> like they don't even flinch at that. Like you were just getting flogged a second ago and Kirk was acting like he was going to die. But now he's just literally like jamming a piece of <laughs> metal, sharp the- metal into his forearm, digging this thing out. And he's cool with it. And the guy, uh, the, like, better, hey, uh, the better question is, why would he take it out of Spock? Why yeah. we, Spock can hold more pain. Why would you take Spock's out rather than Kirk? Yeah, I think you had to have they, both. They took them. both. Yeah. yeah, they took both. Do you take both? Yeah, yeah. Spock, uh, Spock dug Kirk's out for him, and Kirk dug Spock's out for him. Oh, see, I didn't. I I saw the first one I, when I saw the first. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, uh. Then I kind of, what? Why? Why would they even need both? I don't know. Maybe they might just that, need them both question. for the reaction that they got. Oh, you know what? You're right. They did. They did get both. I'm looking right now. Well, why did they need both though? Then I don't. I don't, I don't get know. It. Maybe they. Just, maybe just one wasn't strong enough. Mm, okay. All right. Yeah, but Spock makes some calculations about for how far they apart they would need to have the crystals, and uh, they they go to the light high up on the wall, and Kirk decides to give Spock a boost up to it, and Spock's just talking about history, like the history of ancient lasers made from crude natural crystals, and uh, Kirk urges Spock to hurry, noting the professional job that the guard did on his back, and Spock warns him that the the aim for the crystals might be a, well, it's going to be very crude. So Kirk is like wincing because Spock is just on his freshly beaten back. And he's like, I don't care if you hit the broadside of a barn as long as you hurry. And Spock just stops. He's like, why would I aim at such a structure? (laughs) Um, Oh, man. I I put no stunt double. They did it it themselves. Like, I'm I'm truly like, I don't know if like at one point you see like just um, when he's talking for a little bit, you only see Spock. So maybe they might put a chair underneath him for a minute for that type of particular scene to make whatever. But overall, like for a minute, it's just truly him just sitting there and uh, there's no cut. There's no cut for yeah. a good minute. So it's like, oh man, Kurt is really doing this. And like, I'm like, yo, he's really doing this. And I was like, yo, like Willie Shatner got some, got some legs on him, bro. 
like he took took him him to figure out how to get him up there too like he tried one way and it wasn't working so he he literally said oh yeah i'm the stool and he did he did and like i got respect for him as an actor shatner for real for this and as as a captain too he's like oh yeah you got it like he just he immediately knew what he needed to do went down there and did it so i I find a really cool reference plus like i know i know that the scene takes a little longer so you see spock by himself for a little bit so you're not sure if he's still doing it the whole time or not but even so the initial first like minute or so like he just he just caught right up his back and i find it really cool so yeah much as yeah yeah so kirk urges spock to continue and spock holds the crystals to the light bulb to create a laser that he uses to cut the lock off of the uh cell door or the latch so kirk just sends spock across the room like he sends him outside of the cell so he can like hide around the corner and then he yells to the guard that he's ready to talk and that he can't take the pain anymore so the guard, like an idiot, just comes running in there, and Spock just knocks him out from behind. You know, security ain't nothing in the show, man. Security's trash in the show. Always. Yep. So the guy in the cell, his name is, I think it's Isak, but he hadn't revealed his name at this point. Uh, but he asked them to take him with him, and he says that he can help them find the laboratory. And they just ignore him again. And uh, then they're, they're just kind of like, okay, like maybe that is a good idea. It's like, we're going to have to get to the laboratory. So they, they decide to free him. And... Uh, they go, they leave to find the laboratory door. And, like, uh, right, right, like, they literally walk up the door and it's right to the left. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. we really needed your help. A lot of <laughs> shots in this corridor. Um, apparently, all of these doors, every time you open it, leads to a different place, <laughs> I guess. Because, like, they're in this corridor a lot. And they go through a, a few different doors that appear to be the same door as before. It just takes them to another room. Uh, but, yeah, they, they see the door, they move towards it, and a guard exits the laboratory and he locks it. And then they pass him uh, in the hall, and Kirk pretends that their fake prisoners pushed him up against the guard. And while he's kind of leaning up against the guard, he steals his keys. And as he talks about how the Zeon pigs never do anything right. Um, so they enter the laboratory, and they find that their communicators have been taken apart. And they try to find their phasers, but they can't locate them. Meanwhile, back in the corridor, the... Oh, wait, no, we're not there yet. Yeah, the uh, Zeon asks them who they are and where they came from. But again, they just ignore him. Like they're not answering any, like they're just <laughs> not even acknowledging that this guy exists. He's like, who are you guys? Like, where did you come from? What are you doing here? You mentioned it. I noticed it now. I didn't notice how bad it was. He brought it up. Like you were right. Oh, dude, they, they, he might well not have been there. <laughs> they kept ignoring him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it literally all he did was show them where the laboratory is, but there's a sign on the door. They could have found it. I don't think that they really needed him at all. And they're just acting like they don't need him. But elsewhere, the guard from before notices that his keys are missing because he's trying to go through another locked door. And then he draws his handgun and he moves back towards the laboratory. So inside, Kirk finds a note that explains that the alien pistols have been sent to the Gestapo command headquarters. So he's like, well, those are basically just gone. And then the guard enters the room, but the Zeon man actually knocks him out. So he manages to be useful for a second. Uh, They start to take the guard's uniform and they explain that they can use it to... Isak explains that they can use it to steal a car and, and leave the capital. I mean, they're addressing a lot of guards in this episode. They are. And all these guys are going to wake up naked and not say <laughs> anything to anybody about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, like, how long do they stay knocked out? And nobody notices that they're not making their rounds. Like, they wake up without their uniform and they're like, huh, and just continue on with their day. 15 minutes. But uh, Kirk doesn't want to leave without getting to John Gill, but Spock doesn't believe that that's a logical choice because he doesn't think that they can hold out against an entire military force without phasers or communication with their ship. And Kirk's like, you know what? You're right. 
<laughs> and they get Spock into the uh, the guard's uniform. So they put the Zayon on a stretcher and pretend that he's dead, and they carry him out of a out of the building. And when they pass the two guards out front, Kirk's like, oh, hunting is good, and we've got so many Zeons that we got to dump them outside. And the guys up front just don't think anything about it. They're like, yeah, that's normal. That sounds about right. Uh, so they enter a sewer through a manhole cover, and they are immediately met by other Zeons with weapons. And Isak, so again, that's the guy that was in the cell with them, uh, he explains to his brother Abram that Kirk and Spock helped him escape. And Abram asks why they were in prison. And Kirk explains that he was trying to see the Fuhrer to see if he can stop all of this insanity. So Isak vouches for them, and then for some reason, uh, Abram decides that now is the time to tell him that the woman who was to be Isak's wife, her name was Uleta, she was shot down in the streets, and she's dead. <laughs> like, I don't know, I feel like there was a better time to tell him this than when you first see him after he escaped from prison. No, let's but, you gotta tell, tell him now. Like, hey, by the way, bro. You can't uh, even get that band-aid off right away. Away. For real. Get back, hey, man, listen. It just kind of was out she's, of nowhere. She's gone. It? Who's gone? Your girl. And Isak's like, oh, man, that was she was going to be my wife. And then he's like, yeah, she lived for five hours. And now she's just walked past her and spit on her. Now, that part I thought was a little extra. But I thought what they were going to do is reference that to make him hateful. Yeah, something. I thought, I thought that was going to make him hateful. You know, I thought that was going to make him want to kill people, which it did, but it didn't do it. Like, I thought it'd be make a more drastic turn. But like, listen, do this in private and leave that last part out. <laughs> like, that's yeah. really just unnecessary. Well, Kirk, Kirk didn't even, like, condole him either. Like, oh, sorry about your loss. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, sucks just to like, well, how did she die? And then he'd be like, well, then you give the details. He has, well, how'd she die? They'd be just, like, oh, well, blah, blah. Just she was shot in the street. You don't have to say she lived for five hours and people kept spitting on her. <laughs> That's just unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, just spit on her, you know? Just, I think he was, was trying to have really him out to be... a really weird scene. I felt like he was trying to have him out to be violent, but it didn't, it didn't go the way he thought he was going to do. Well, no. <laughs> Jesus. He already hated him. You can't make him hate him more. Yes, just, you can. Just brought him down. I, I think I said to you guys before about that. You, you might hate somebody, but the only you touch with your woman or somebody you love, the hate the hate goes to level twelve. So I mean, he's already his people are being exterminated. You don't care I don't about know his people like you care about his, his woman. That. That's something else. Uh, it well, was just it was so weirdly timed. We were yeah. expecting him to become like John Wick in that that moment. Like I'm gonna really? kill them all. For real, that's what yeah, I'm no, saying. Did did not work to his advantage. Um, Abram says that uh, their people were unable to help her, and now Isak wants him to help strangers. I'm like, how are those two things related? Like, you were helpless to help someone, so you should not help anybody else, I guess? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Makes makes sense. Uh, but Isak just says that if they adapt the ways of the Nazis, then they're as bad as the Nazis. And Spock suggests, he's like, you know, maybe now would be a good time for me to get a little peace and quiet to myself and reassemble this communicator so he asks if there's somewhere that he can work privately, and Abram just leads them away. So we cut to a little later, and Spock is explaining that he managed to make one good communicator by using parts from both of the broken ones, but he doesn't know if the circuits in it are correct, and he can't test it until they actually try to use it in an hour when the Enterprise is within range. Uh, suddenly, Nazi guards burst into the room, and they've got some Zeon prisoners with them, led by Daris, which is the, the lady from the screen earlier. And she tells them to put their hands in the air and asks what their plan was when they escaped the detention center. Kirk says that he just has to see the Fuhrer. So Abram's like, well, I'm the one responsible for what happens here. And she's like, yeah, 
well, let me show you what we do to responsible Zeons. And she shoots him in the gut. <laughs> and I was like, well, damn. Like, <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> yeah, like, holy hell. And then they're going to walk past him for five hours and spit on him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but uh, she approaches Kirk, and she's going to go finish the job, and then we go to a commercial break from there. We come back from the break, and Darius is holding the gun to Kirk's face, which is a really bad idea, because if you do that from that close range, you're just going to get blood all over yourself. Like You don't, you don't want to shoot somebody that close. Uh, but Isak tries to persuade everybody to just chill out. And Kirk ends up grabbing Darius's arm, and Spock takes her weapon, and then they hold her hostage. So Isak is like, no, please don't shoot. And then Abram just stands up, and he's like, hold on a second. <laughs> I was really confused here. Yeah. I, was like, I, I thought, well, like it, she got this a quick thought. I thought, yo, one of the people are a traitor. The first thing I thought was, yo, so, somebody snitched. Right. Because yeah, they, she got it really quick. So I thought immediately, there's no way, coincidentally, he got there, and then they got there that fast. So I thought one of them was on the other, other side. Yeah. And, and then, the, like, when he stood double. up... Yeah, not that way around, so... When he stood up, I was not thinking that it was fake. I thought, did they just, like, forget in the script that they just shot him? Or is he just going to play this off that he's okay? <laughs> I, was, I was really confused. But uh, Abram says that Kirk and Spock have proved that they're on the Zeon side. And that uh, they reveal that it was just a test to see if they were actually Nazi spies. So at that point, they're all just like, yeah, hey, thanks for the tinnitus, because you totally just shot that gun in <laughs> right. the sewer. And it's like, right, <laughs> right next to us. Like, thank My you for that. Still you now. <laughs> yeah. Isak explains that the, that the Gestapo methods are very efficient and that they don't know who their leaders are. So if they break under pressure, they can only betray a handful of their own people. And Spock points out that Darius is the hero of the fatherland. And she reveals that she's actually an Ekosian who's fighting the terrible things that's happening to her people. So she is like, you know. Undercover. Technically, like, yeah, she's one of the Nazis people, but she is not a Nazi. Like, same from the same planet, doesn't approve of what they're doing. So she says that she received the decoration for betraying her father to the party. And that it was his idea and that he used to be very close to the Fuhrer. But he saw the changes and where they were leading. So he turned against the party and they imprisoned him. And then Melikon sentenced him to death. And I feel like all of that is just really unnecessary exposition. Like, Why is that? Like, well, it's just like, she's like, yeah, my, my dad was really close to her, the Fuhrer and he didn't like what was going on. So then he pretended to hate me and that's why I got the citation. And it's like, that's not really important. I feel like you, you could, I don't know. I've, uh, the whole like backstory about her father is not necessary. <laughs> oh, she, you could have just assumed that she got it. Like she got the citation for doing something and that it was part, part of playing without going into detail what it was. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing with her dad is just, it's just unnecessary. Um, but Kirk wonders who Melikon is and Abram explains that he's the deputy for her and that he's taken over. And Darius continues to explain. She's like, I'm still talking about my dad here. And uh, she talks <laughs> about how her father denounced her to make it appear that she had betrayed him. Uh, so Kirk then asks how, see, like, and that, that would have been enough. Like we didn't need the rest of it. Like, yeah, my dad, you know, said that he hated me and I turned him in. So there you go. Uh, but Kirk asks how this could even seem right to John Gill, who is the Fuhrer. And uh, he says that he's one of his people. And, and Abram's like, well, who are your people? Kirk then introduces himself and Spock. And he explains that Gill was sent there by the Federation as a culture, a cultural observer. Observer, if I could say it. So Darris is like, wait, the Fuhrer is an alien? And Spock's like, Yep, sure is. And she says that she grew to admire him and then later hated and despised everything he stood for. But she thought that he was at least one of them and not an alien sent there to destroy him. And then Kirk's like, no, his mission was only to observe and not to interfere. And uh, they're only there to find out 
what went wrong and they need to correct that. So Kirk says that uh, they need to see Gil, or yeah, they need to see Gil, but Isak says that it's impossible because he only sees Melikon and he's under maximum security. Uh, and he says that there are many people that would gladly risk their lives to kill John Gill. So Kirk doesn't understand again how Gill could go against every principle he ever believed in, and he needs to go see him right now. It's, it's just like a repeating thing mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. Like like every, every other time he talks, he's like, I need to see the Fuhrer. Like, <laughs> every other time. I need to see him. So Darius reveals that the Fuhrer is going to make a speech from the Chancellery tonight and that all of the top party officials will be there. And Kirk's like, well, are you going to be there? And she says that she will. So Spock wonders if she could uh, get them past the guards. She explains that only the top most trusted officials are going to be allowed in and that the country, the rest of the country is going to watch from view screens. So Isak thinks that it's going to be a formal declaration of the war against Zion or Zion, and it's going to be their final solution. So Kirk just uh, wants her to help. But again, she doesn't think that she can get them in. And uh, Isak agrees, but he's like, well, he's like, yeah, like you need to let us in. And she's like, well, do you think that you're going to be able to be to get in because you're a Zayon? And he's like, well, it's more my fight than yours. Like just a lot of really kind of unnecessary back and forth dialogue here. This episode, right, yeah. this whole like five minutes could be condensed down to maybe a minute. It's a whole lot yeah, of. Yeah, it's literally. It's a whole lot of repeat, 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 repeat. Yeah, it's just Kirk going. I need to see the Fuhrer. Her going. I don't think you can. Isak going. But we need to try. Kirk going. We need to see the Fuhrer. And she's like, I don't think you can. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it's just it's a, it's a lot of, got yeah. stuck in like a loop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- we cut to later, and they do. Like they, they just go there. They pull up in a in a Nazi car. I don't this know where they the, got this it. This has got to be one of the coolest like ideas ever. Like of, yeah. of, of of coming like like we see a lot of cool episodes to be like get get in track or whatever to use her and like show up with cameras that are recording or whatever. I'm like I don't know if that was I, I, they didn't really say what the idea was, but like it's a very clever like clever even even clever writing and it, I, even it's even clever writing. Cause like, yeah. if you know, if you know, like, the Nazis themselves like love recording themselves and love to see their stuff on cameras and like see that stuff right there. So like doing that and being like, okay, we're on camera, the recording there, like you know what, like it's propaganda. It's all about the propaganda, or whatever. So like, it, right. it fits right in that whole history and storyline and the way they are. So I thought it was really that's the one thing about the episode. I thought like I thought it was really clever how they did this. It's just really smart, super smart. Yeah, except for the fact that. Kirk is an awful cameraman and gets way too many close-ups. Like, back up a little, dude. They don't need to see your boogers, for God's sake. Like, yeah, Kirk and Spock and Isak, they all pose as a camera and light crew, and they say they're doing a documentary on Doris, and they follow her inside the building. And Spock tells Kirk that he's beginning to understand why Earthmen enjoy gambling so much, because no matter how carefully one computed the odds of success, there is still a certain exhilaration of the risk. And Kirk's like, ah, we'll make a human out of you yet. And very seriously, he's like... I hope not. <laughs> like, no, I don't want that. Very, very, another very smart idea. Just him referencing that is kill. It still makes Spock Spock. You know, yep. yeah. Like, like, like the, the um, here just, just uh, even while everything's going on, they still find ways to make Spock Spockish, like saying Spockish things while things are going on. So, right. Uh, so they continue into the viewing room, and Darius explains that they uh, watched the Fuhrer on. Uh, it's. She says it's a screen, but it's not even a screen. It's literally just like a window into a broadcast booth. And uh, the, the because John Gill broadcasts from a specific booth for security reasons. And Kirk notices that the booth is curtained off and that uh, they continue pretending to shoot the documentary. And he's just like asking questions about like where the entrance to the broadcast booth is. 
And she tells him that it's at the end of the corridor, and, and then they go, like, look, and they see a couple of people are guarding it. So Isak is just like, look, get me a machine gun, and I will shoot through that door. <laughs> He's like, I will, I will solve this issue right now. Right now. now. <laughs> Uh, Kirk tells him, he's like, no, we're there to get John Gill alive and we're not here for your personal satisfaction. So they move towards the uh, booth door and they distract the guards by saying, you know, they're doing this documentary thing. And Spock just kind of gets a peek into the booth because for some reason, this maximum security booth that they need to to keep secure has a window in the door. Yeah, it's bulletproof. OK, I'm giving it a, it's a bulletproof glass. OK. That, but the, 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 the but window the glass, itself, the other, not yeah, the other glass is not. No, yeah. it's bulletproof. That's what I'm saying. The glass is bulletproof in my mind. Right, but the not to jump ahead, but later on we find out that the the screen that they viewed him through is yeah. not bulletproof. Oh, yeah, of course not. <laughs> the well, big window is not. In, in my head, I'm like, yo, it's got to be bulletproof. Until that moment, I was like, oh, oh you Nazis. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they go down. Uh, they, they leave from there. They go back down the corridor, and Spock explains that uh, he's telling Kirk, he's like, well, I saw Gil in there, but he never moved, and he never looked up. And he thinks that Gil could be in some sort of deep psychosis, but Kirk thinks that maybe he just might be drugged, and he wants to go contact McCoy. So they duck into a little coat room, and they try to contact the Enterprise, and the communicator works, and they manage to get a hold of Ahura. So Kirk asks for McCoy and says that uh, he wants him outfitted as a Gestapo doctor from Nazi Germany, old Earth date of 1944, and he wants McCoy to be a colonel. And the trivia that I saw is that they actually did get the colonel insignia correct on... uh, McCoy's uniform, but all of the other uniforms were just basically kind of a mess. Like, none of the stuff matched what they were actually supposed to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, so McCoy's is, like, the only one that's actually correct. I'm just curious, why didn't they call Scotty when he when he's on drugs? Why didn't they call Scotty to get the reference? <laughs> right? Yeah, because of the accent. <laughs> hey, Scotty, uh, he's coming to what we do. Oh, we got to give him a blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. Scotty knows what's going on. He's like, you, oh, what? I remember my first time taking that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm sure Scotty had, like, a uh, wake me up juice that will get him right <laughs> after that. Yeah. Just special something he made. One part yeah. tequila, one part, uh, I don't know, silicone, one part blah, blah, blah. Mix it together, stir it up. Yeah, <laughs> and a little bit one. of dark matter in there. Yeah. <laughs> matter. You dark, a little dark matter, he woke up immediately. Meanwhile, uh, Isak is at the viewing party and uh, he overhears someone telling some guards to go search the building. So he pulls Darius away from the party and they go into the coat room and... Uh, Kirk is explaining to McCoy on the communicator that John Gill might be drugged or hypnotized or psychotic. And Darris walks in and tells him that the Nazis have picked up Kirk's broadcast and pinpointed it to the building. So they're going to start searching. And Kirk asks Uhura, he's like, what's happening? It's literally been like two seconds, dude. Chill out. But he's like, what's happening? And she explains that McCoy is having trouble with the uniform. So Kirk's like, well, send him down naked if you have to. And then he just (laughs) hangs up on her. (laughs) So McCoy gets transported into the coat room, uh, but he's having some trouble getting his boot on because the computer made a mistake in the measurements and the right boot is too tight. <laughs> and Spock very helpfully explains to him how to put on a boot. <laughs> it's just basically like, point your toes forward, apply pressure equally on both sides. <laughs> like, thank I'm, you. I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure why they put that in there, but you know what? It's very Spockish. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I, okay, I just took it out. Like, All right, cool, thanks. Yeah, he, he basically he was just like, Put the boot on, quit whining, was kind of what he was saying in like a very intelligent way. Uh, So Kirk then introduces Darius to McCoy, and McCoy notices that everybody's wearing Nazi uniforms, and he's wondering what's going on. Like, you're literally wearing one too, so I don't know why he's really confused (laughs) about it. Uh, Then Chairman Enig and two of his guards burst into the coat closet, and we go to a commercial break from there. 
And we come back and Kirk explains that the colonel, who is McCoy, has had too much to drink and that they took him away so he wouldn't embarrass the Fuhrer. And Enigs, he's like, well, you did the right thing. And he reveals that there's a spy in the building with a secret transmitter and they're conducting a search. And then they all salute and Enig leaves. You know what's kind of funny about this? Like, do you not know what your superior officers look like? Like, well, okay. and you know, you literally the like next line from Spock is Spock. He says that he fails to understand how Enig failed to recognize them. Yeah, because he they had already dealt with him. Well, if you think about it, like a lot of times people in charge don't really look at us a lot. Like in a way, they don't know they don't know who we are. Sometimes, a lot of times, they don't. Yeah, and, and also, uh, I don't know who I work for half the time. It changes a lot. It moves around. People change. People lose jobs here and there. So, like, I just. A lot of times you look up and people in charge you are just somebody different here and there. So I assume that they didn't, he kind of just didn't notice. And, but yeah, I mean, and again, like Spock notices the same thing. Not, not only like it's, it's more of how didn't he recognize them from the prison cell earlier. And Kirk just says that uh, luck is something else that Spock also fails to recognize. And he's like, I agree with that. Well, and I will reconsider. Did they not also not notice that Kirk and all of them escaped? Right. I mean, yeah, I figure he probably went back down there in an hour. And well, there hasn't been any that alarm sounds there. either. <laughs> right. There hasn't been any alarm sounds either, so I, I'm not sure what that... I, I get what you guys are saying. I mean, how many yeah. how many people have they undressed since they escaped from prison? Like, they're shooting naked right. guards everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a solid this, snake this in here stripping people. Like, what's going on? <laughs> it's, just a, it's just another day at the Nazi headquarters. Right. This happens all the time. Yeah. It's a weird day when they don't find a naked guard somewhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a, a buzzer sounds, and that signals the beginning of the Fuhrer's speech. And uh, in the viewing room, everybody is hailing the Fuhrer as Gil starts his speech. And Gil talks about how the job ahead is difficult, and it requires courage and dedication and faith. And uh, as he's talking, Kirk tells everybody else to watch Gil's mouth, which is hidden behind a large microphone, so I don't know how they're going to mar- uh, watch that. Like, you literally can't see his mouth at all. Uh, Spock notes that the speech follows no logical pattern, and Kirk says that they're just really random sentences strung together. McCoy thinks that maybe Gil looks drugged, and he's almost in a cataleptic state. And I was like, what does cataleptic mean? And catalepsy is a medical condition characterized by a trance or seizure with a loss of sensation and consciousness accompanied by a rigidity of the body. Oh, no idea. Go. Yeah, I didn't know that Me either. either. <laughs> That's why I looked it up. I was like, did they make that word up? They did not. Uh, but he is a doctor, so he does know those words. Uh, but Gil continues his speech as the crew decides that they're going to sneak out of there to get a closer look at him. And they proceed to the booth door, still posing as a documentary crew. And then they manage to inca- incapacitate the guards. Uh, meanwhile, the speech ends and Melikon steps up because he's got some words of his own to say. But before he says anything, we go back to the booth and we find that Gil is definitely drugged. But McCoy doesn't know what he was given, so he thinks that giving an antidote would be more dangerous than it would be helpful. And he says that he can give a general stimulant, but even that's going to be risky. Kirk decides they're going to take that risk. Uh, So McCoy gives him the stimulant, but they don't get a reaction from Gil. And uh, Kirk wants to increase the dosage, but McCoy warns that that could kill him. We go back to the other room, and Melikon is giving his uh, speech, and he says that their troops have begun their historic mission, and they've started eliminating Zeons in the cities, and the Zeon blight will be removed from Ecos within an hour. Uh, so the stimulant then starts to work, and John Gill, he kind of partially wake, uh, like wakes up, 
And McCoy says that he's he's not going to do anything more than that because he doesn't want to risk killing him. So Kirk decides that he wants Spock to try to get through with the mind probe. But if that doesn't work, then they're going to have to try a stronger simulant, no matter what that does. Um, in the background here, uh, you can hear Melikon's speech. And I think that it's kind of a poor decision in uh, the way that they made this because he kind of gives some like important information that... Uh, they're going to start sending ships to Zeon to wipe them out. Like they're about to start invading Zeon, but it's literally, it's just him talking in the background. And that becomes like a plot point here in a second. Well, I, I kind of thought also, since they can hear him, I wonder if he could hear them in the room because they're making a lot of noise in there. Right. It's not like yeah, they're like whispering or anything. Right, exactly. And he's just like right on the other side of the wall. But I felt like that was a, a really important like piece of the plot to have just be relegated as like background dialogue while other things are happening. But, uh, but yeah, Darius wants, uh, Kirk to use his weapons to destroy the Ecosian fleet. And Kirk says that it would mean the death of thousands of Ecosian spacemen. And Dara says that it'll save millions upon millions of innocent, uh, Zayon lives and that they have to choose a lesser of two evils. And blah, Kirk's blah. like, well, we repeat this like yeah. the last episode. That's what I'm, you know, he's like, well, we could save the Zayons, but then what about the Ecos? Or Echoes. Uh, Spock then interrupts him and he says that he has created a condition in which Grill, uh, Gil cannot initiate speech or any other action, but he can reply to questions. So he did, like, I don't know, something with his mind to allow him to do that. Him or something. Yeah. He says that uh, Melikon has been the real power for the last few years, which is supposed to be a big reveal, but we were literally told that already in, like, the sewer, well, I think, uh, or also, even before that. Was Spock doing the mind probe? Couldn't he just read his mind to find out all the answers that they were looking for? Right. I kind of feel like he probably could have. That's what I thought that they were going to do. I didn't know we were going to go to this like drugged up Gil talking thing. Well, maybe, maybe since he was in a drug state, he can be able to couldn't probe his mind. Maybe. Oh, that could be. Since it was, yeah, I, mean, I was wondering they, about that too. They, they could have mentioned that maybe since he's drugged up, I can't probe, I can't do that. But we can still ask some questions. I, I, I'll, right. I'll, I'll accept that. That's a good uh, explanation. Yeah. So Kirk, uh, he starts interrogating Gil about why he interfered with the culture, and Gil is like very, very uh, like drugged up and just barely talks. And he says that the planet was divided, and that he took lessons from Earth history. And Kirk's like, well, "Why Nazi Germany? If you knew what the Nazis were." And Gil explains that it was the most efficient state that the Earth ever knew. And Spock agrees, and he says that the tiny country was beaten, bankrupt, and defeated, and rose in a few years to stand only one step away from global domination. So Kirk says that it was brutal and perverted and had to be destroyed at a terrible cost, and he asks why they had to use that one as the example. So Spock poses that perhaps Gil felt that it could be run benignly and accomplish its efficiency without the sadism. And Kirk asks Gil why, and uh, well, Gil well, says that it, it worked at first. E even if he wanted to do that, did he have to use the swastika to, you know, make it happen exactly that way? Like, you know, that was my question about the entire thing is that, OK, you want the efficiency of the Nazi state, but like you don't have to bring all the, like, the Nazi like all the principles of the Nazis. with that. Yeah, like, you don't need the yeah, symbolism. But, see, but, but that's your perception, though. See, as a if, if that's so like, how, how do I say this? Right. OK, so. If you're a Nazi, those those images to you aren't bad. They're part of your part of who you are. The part of to makes you guys uh, to wear or whatever, right? 
we see it as bad because we're seeing the negativity of it. So when he, so I assume when he's when he <clears throat> when he adopted the culture, he also adopted the clothing and stuff too because he didn't really see that as a a bad thing. He just saw it as part of part of what they are. Well, my my head canon was that is that so much time for them since they're in the future has passed that yeah. they have disassociated what how we think of the Nazis. Like well, in, really in, the, not, like in a thousand years, when they look back on history, they're gonna be like. Oh yeah, that was a thing. Well, they did, that, but that only was... one. But see, only one. Only one of them started taking that to the way that the, once they once that. But gotta remember, once that one guy started turning it into becoming the old Nazi ways, everybody started following the suit because that charismatic leader that they have started tricking them. You know. Well, and they clearly still looked at the Nazi symbolism and all that as bad because as soon as Kirk and Spock saw the swastika, they were like, "Oh shit." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, even after the thousands of years or whatever it was, they still were like, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, bad. but yeah, but still, but yeah, but imagine this. So like, I don't want to get current, current reference right now. Like a Confederate flag, people rock a Confederate flag all the time, no matter how I feel about it. Personally, you know, people rock it because they they, they say all oh, the history behind it, or whatever, and it's not that's not what it represents anymore. So a lot of, a lot of things in history get repeated, and people try to change the symbolism behind it and become something else. So I could see John Gill saying, "Hey." It's been thousands of years. I'm taking this imagery and I'm making it to be something else. I'm, I'm trying to make it to turn something well, the, else. The thing is, the though, time. like, the question is, though, like, why do you need that? Like, because the, the imagery isn't part of, like, he was specifically looking to organize the planet to get them to run efficiently. You don't yep. need the symbolism for that. Like, you just need the infrastructure. Like, you, you can have your, your set of rules for how to do everything, and yeah. you can set up your procedures to get everything running. Like, you don't need the 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 imagery to go along they, with that. They, they could have used anything. Like, they could have used, you know, the DX symbol for all, yeah. you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get they could have used there. everything, but I assume that he just looked at the culture, adopted their clothes, clothes in ways, and thought maybe the mind, maybe mentally, certain, certain, uh, certain symbolism and certain... Uh, designs made you feel a certain, certain type of way i i just this is assume. it's this is just one of those episodes where i feel like they left a lot of necessary information out like yeah they, they just seem to miss a lot of things in the writing of this uh, yeah, like they just just the kind of basic like why like they didn't answer a lot of the why questions like why would you have this symbolism and like why would you use the exact uniforms and like all of that stuff like why would you do any of that because none of that's necessary to to run the government the way that like they did. Like you can leave the whole bad side out and just keep the infrastructure aspect, but maybe that's too much to ask from a Star Trek episode. I also wonder at the time, uh, also that definitely in our era, the Nazi symbol is definitely overused in everything. I wonder if this was like at the time, like all this was kind of like forefront of like one of the first times they actually used like Nazis in a show like that. Well, well Neil Nazi used that now. Been all over in war movies and stuff at the time. Well, yeah, just like war movies, but like just regular TV shows. Uh, I mean, we do, they do that a lot in our era, but back then, I wonder if that was a common theme. Right. I'm not. I sure. really feel like they just wanted an excuse to go Nazis bad, and then they just built an episode around that and didn't like fill in a lot of gaps. Like they just, yeah. they just wanted to use that stuff and didn't really. Well, they, thoroughly there, think through. There is a message behind there. here. There is a message like history is doing doing a piece of if you try to learn if you don't learn from it. That there's a message behind that. It's just 
it's just the message was uh, given just, very rarely. Yeah, they just they didn't get there. Yeah, in a good enough way. Like yeah. I don't think they were thorough enough in in their explaining of yeah, like everything that led up to that message. I don't know yeah. how I want to put it, but you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, but either way, yeah, Kirk asked Gil why, and uh, he says that it, Gil says that it worked at first, but then Melikon began his takeover and uh, drugged him. And then Gil passes out, and Kirk yells at him, which is not helpful in any way at all. Doesn't he start <laughs> slapping him, too? Yeah. Well, he slaps him later, but here's just yelling at him to tell everybody the truth so that he can prevent slaughter. And uh, Gil just slumps back. I was pretty sure he was dead, but McCoy checked on him, and it turns out he's not dead. He's alive, but the drug that they gave him is just way too strong. So Kirk wants Bones to give him another shot, but Bones argues against it. And Isak is like, hey, guys, uh, we got guards at the door. So Kirk... Just real quick thinker, gives everybody a weapon except for Spock, and he has Spock take off his helmet. And uh, they pretend to have captured Spock as Chairman Enig and his guards enter the room. And uh, Isak is just like, ah, yeah, for the second time in one day, Darius is a hero to the fatherland. So uh, Kirk says that Spock was attempting to assassinate the Fuhrer and that Darius has captured him. So Enig has his guards take Spock, and Kirk's like, hey, you should give him a, as a present to Melikon. And Enig just kind of looks at him. And then Isak is like, very oddly stern here is what caught me off guard. He's like, yeah, he should be taken to Melikon. And Enig just kind of looks around and he's like, all right. And then they just, <laughs> they take Spock away. So as soon as they leave, uh, Isak reveals to Kirk and McCoy that Enig is actually on their side. So Kirk sends McCoy to go and stick close to Spock, which was a good reveal because up to that point I hadn't, uh, I thought he was just kind of incompetent when he didn't recognize him in the closet earlier, but I did not think that he was actually going to be on their side. Spock is then taken to Melikon, who kind of looks him over as uh, we go back and forth between him and Kirk. And Kirk is injecting Gil with a stronger stimulant, and he tries to get Gil awake, but he's not having any luck. Uh, meanwhile, Darius is explaining that Melikon is an authority on the genetics of racial purity, and she asks him what he thinks of Spock. And it's hilarious what he thinks of Spock. <laughs> because he's like, oh, yeah, he's got sinister eyes and malformed ears and... Uh, he's definitely from an inferior race. <laughs> then we, uh, he's like, look at that haircut. <laughs> stupid bowl cut. Uh, we go to the, back to the booth, and this is where Kirk slaps Gil to wake him up. And it eventually works. He does wake up. Then we're, we're back at Melikon again, and he's still talking about Spock, and he says that Spock has a low forehead, which denotes stupidity. And he has a dull look of a trapped animal. <laughs> Spock's just standing there like this is utterly ridiculous. Like he just I think he's just finding amusement in all of it. He's like, wow, if only he knew. Uh, but he has Spock taken away for interrogation. But he says that he wants Spock's body to be saved for the cultural museum because it would make an interesting piece. And uh, then they hear Fuhrer Gill and they see him through the little window. The uh, curtains open back up. And Malakon immediately sends his people to go cover the screen and to try to stop Gil from talking. And uh, he tries to get everybody to leave the room. He's like, come on, guys, like we need to leave. But uh, Gil talks about how they were betrayed. So everybody's like, "Ooh, this is getting juicy. Like, I'm going to hang out for this. Yeah. And uh, he, he says they were betrayed by a self-seeking adventurer who has led them all to the brink of disaster. And he orders the immediate recall of the space fleet and orders all the units to return to base. And he promises that... It was not an act of aggression from the Echo's people, but it was an act from one evil man, and that evil man is Melikon. And so uh, Melikon then takes a, a gun, like an SMG from a, one of the nearby guards, and he just shoots through the window and into the booth. So yeah, that glass, not bulletproof. And also, Kirk <laughs> conveniently standing off to the side the whole time. Yeah, he got lucky. Uh, so then Isak shoots Melikon twice with a handgun, shoots him in the gut. 
Um, a lot of he lot does of not get back up later. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one had real bullets. And again, everybody in the room is like, "Thanks for the tinnitus, guys." <laughs> uh, so we go back to the booth, and Gil's bleeding on the floor, and he tells Kirk that the non-interference directive is the only way, and that they have to stop the slaughter. And Kirk's like, "You already did that. Like, you did great." And Gil says that even historians fail to learn from history, and that they repeat the same mistakes. And then he just dies, uh, unceremoniously. He's just like, Bleh. He's, gone. "He's gone." Yep. Uh, so Kirk opens the door, the booth door and he announces to the group, he's like, yep, Gil's dead. You know, it's hard to feel sad for him also. Like, look, y- you brought the Nazis back. Like, so I'm not really upset about your death. Like, I don't <laughs> right. care what kind of intentions you had. Right. Yeah. And plus we didn't really know him. So yeah. Th- that also. Yeah. Uh, but Isaac, he says that he's prayed for Gil's death for so long, but now he just feels sorry. And Kirk's like, well. Gil's sorry too. Like my bad. Yeah, he's just kind of laying dead on the floor over there. <laughs> like, uh, but Enig is like, "Hey guys, thanks for your help, but you need to leave, and we will take care of the rest." <laughs> it just yeah. kicks him out. <laughs> like, you saved our, you saved two planets. Get out. Yep. And uh, Daris says that they're going to go on the air and offer a new way of life for all of their people, and that the the Zeons and Akoshans are all going to be fine. So Kirk and Bones and Spock, they leave, and they walk around the corner as Kirk says that the planet is in good hands, and Spock says that he thinks that with the union of two cultures, the system would make a fine addition to the Federation. So Kirk then calls Uhura to get them beamed aboard. And I don't know why I thought this, but I'm like, did they really save anything? Because now they've just created a power vacuum, and somebody is going to get greedy. Yep. That always happens. And, and, no, and the somebody may, leaves. may get greedy. They may get greedy because... The Federation runs on a, um, a a a peaceful organization or whatever type thing, so they're hoping that they may get greedy. We don't know for sure. I feel like Chairman Enig is going to go. I was next in line, and this is now my planet. He, he was playing <laughs> the long game. Continue. He's like, I'm just spending yeah. my time. Yeah, but he could, yeah. but he could be doing, but he could be doing good things. I have no faith in humanity or Zeon or Ekosian because <laughs> they're close <laughs> enough to us. <laughs> Um, so later on, on the Enterprise, Spock tells Kirk that he doesn't understand how a man as brilliant and a mind as logical as John Gills could have made such a fatal error. Kirk says that he drew the wrong conclusion from history and that the problem with the Nazis wasn't simply that their leaders were evil, uh, psychotic men, but the main problem was that it was just the leader principle. So McCoy explains to Spock that when a man holds that much power, even with the best of intentions, he can't resist the urge to play God. And Spock's like... Yeah, no, I, I knew what he meant. Like, you didn't have to explain it to me. <laughs> well, you know, it's, but he had to do that because of the shoe comment earlier. And because they needed to explain it to us what Kirk was talking about. Uh, so McCoy says that it also proves the Earth saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And he says that Earthmen are darn clever. And Spock's like, oh, you mean Earthmen like Ramses, Alexander, Caesar, Napoleon, Hitler, and Lee Kwan? And he says that Earth history is made up of men seeking absolute <laughs> power. And McCoy and Spock, they kind of argue back and forth for a second, and Kirk breaks it up, and he's like, oh, we've just been through one civil war, and we're like, we ain't trying to start another one. And then he just tells Chekhov to take them out of uh, orbit, and they just, they continue on. Um, Dan, I'm gonna let you start off with this one. Oh, man. Uh, it was alright. Like, I don't hate it, I don't love it. Kind of like, what you know, we were talking about earlier, it's like, it's just repainted from, you know, earlier episodes, kind of, of, like, the morals going through the process. Like, oh, I don't want to kill. Oh, now I want to kill. 
it wasn't really anything new, but I didn't hate it though. It was all right. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> I, I didn't. I don't know. It was okay. After I got over the initial like, holy hell, it's you know, uh, the crew in Nazi uniforms was something I never thought that I was going to see. Like full on, just straight up swastika Nazis. Uh, after I got over that, I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not my favorite one. I, I think it's a, a weak point in the so far excellent season two. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would bother rewatching it again. Uh, Paul? Um, this is the first time we're going to all agree that this episode was, uh, <laughs> you guys say it was all right. I think it was pretty bad. Like at a 10, I might give it a two. Like, I think it was that bad, but it did have some like highlights in it. Like the... The cost, like I'm gonna say, costume design, amazing. The, the some so, like the from the third act, from the moment that they uh, she started, uh, from the moment they uh spying with the camera outfits and everything, uh, with the camera recorders and falling around like a documentary. From that moment on to the end, actually wasn't that bad. But the first, the first two acts before that part were not good at all. Bad written, too long written. The whole scene where they're talking about this, this, that, and this, and then my father, this, father, that. That was way too long. It was just, it was overwritten. It was overwritten. I mean, it's really overwritten. Like, yeah. that's pretty much my issue with it. It's way overwritten, way too much. And I just, it was really bad. Did you not and enjoy like, the flogging? Uh, <laughs> that, well, okay, there you go. That, that, that scene, that, that flogging was okay, but the makeup part was so bad, it, it was. He lost the flogging part. You know, it was like, it was just a lot of a lot of, a lot of bad, but I mean overall, like since the show was so good, like this was I'm comparing it to like it's been hitting so much right now. Like if this happened like early in the season, I might not feel bad about it. But like since it was something a high streak, this is a very, very low point for me. Yeah. Like I don't feel like I wasted my time at the same time. I just felt like it was like a lot of repeated old um symbolisms, a lot of old things, a lot of old stuff that just I don't know. It's kind of like, eh, yeah. There, was, never, there was an idea there. They just they muddied it up a little bit. Yeah, and they left some but, stuff out. There was yeah. There was so much. It could have been like the episode could have been amazing. Like it's kind of episode where you're like, if they had cut this, cut this, cut this, add this, flush this out, make John Gill a more central character. Like instead of just kind of having like made him a little more like I don't know. I just ah eh, you know. But the the, yeah. the the highlight though was the running joke of you know Kirk and Spock ignoring what uh, the one guy like that was just crazy. oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just acting like he's not yeah, there that too like that was okay like I said there until was like, he's like oh I can lead you to the laboratory and then they're like wait a minute who said that <laughs> yeah <laughs> who like, can help us like yeah there's a, like I said there's, there's a fair few highlights in here but there's a lot of low lights so I had to force myself to get through it and then you know as soon as they mentioned the whole. We're gonna get war on, run over, not war, or whatever it is what it is. So and it's kind of meh. What? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And you talking about the uh, the makeup during the flogging scene reminded me that someone on Twitter actually said that there is a Blu-ray connect uh, collection out there that has the originals and the remastered. So I think I'm gonna search that out because I'm kind of curious to see some of these other episodes in their original format, like without the remastered effects and stuff. Yeah. And I wonder I, um, what this. Whenever looked I like see then. trivia. Whenever I see the trivia, it always tells us. It always tells me where what was remastered on the trivia, oh, but okay. it never tells me. But it never tells me the. I never see the original unless I have to look it up somewhere. So right, it, it lets me know. But whatever. So yeah. Um. Next episode we're gonna do season two, episode twenty-two by any other name. The Enterprise Command Crew must throw an invasion by aliens from another planet who plan to wait from another galaxy oh. who plan to conquer this one. 
I'm about to say another planet. It sounds right. So one more time. Hold on. The Enterprise Command crew must start an invasion by aliens from another galaxy who plan to conquer this one. Okay. So that's a good one. Multiverse, multi galaxy. There's gonna be. uh, Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna predict it right now. It's gonna start, and before we get to the show opening, it's going to be some sort of drastic event, possibly an explosion or two. The ship may shake a little bit. Um, afterwards, they're going to try to figure out what's going on. In the end, there's going to be a lot of talking, and they're going to settle it through diplomacy. <laughs> it, from the picture, it seems as though they may be like perfect beings, like really beautiful being creatures must be superior than the others, that kind of thing. Who knows? But that oh, they're, same. They're going to go up against Perfect Cell. Oh man, this oh, no. is going to be a fantastic <laughs> he episode. Found South Galaxy. <laughs> he went South, South Galaxy is packing. <laughs> I'm perfect. Uh, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I will be going to Galaxy Con in Columbus, Ohio in December. I'm probably going to wear a shirt from the podcast there. So I'll be walking around. So if I see anybody or if anybody sees me that listens to the podcast, say hi. Cause I think that would be really cool to meet someone who actually listens to our show. Yeah. Um, you're going to be shouting right? I'm going to try, um, it's very, first of all, it's very expensive, which I'm fine with, but I'm trying not to pre-buy tickets because I know I've said this, I think, to you at least, Paul, but yeah. I have, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but Shatner's like 93 years old, and if I buy tickets to get a, like to do a meet and greet that are non-refundable, I don't want him to die before then, and if I buy those <laughs> tickets, he will die. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. I'm trying to save his life. But yes, I'm hoping to. And uh, I don't, their rules on what you can get signed seem to be really weird. I feel like he's just going to sign like a headshot. And I would really like to be able to get him to sign. I have a copy of one of his books. Like, it's like a Star Trek, uh, like memoir of like, I don't even know when it was written in like the eighties or something. And I would really like to get him to sign that, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but yes, I will try to meet William Shatner. And also uh, the guy that plays Chekhov is going to be there too. And I want to meet him as well. Tell him how, how, how much you love his character. And, yes. And I feel <laughs> I feel bad because there's actually going to be a lot of people from the next generation there. And I'm like, but I haven't seen it yet. So I can't really say that I'm fans of their characters because I haven't seen their characters. I just know, oh, like, LeVar Burton is going to be there. Uh, what's Reed his name? Rainbow. Brent, like Brent Spiner. Yes. I love John yeah, Reed Rainbow. Yeah. Oh, Brent Spiner is going to be there. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, yeah, several other people that are going to be there. Um, and then, like, non-Star Trek related the voice of Jack Skellington. But okay. the thing is, uh, I, I got to go to my mom's because I think she might still have all of her old VHSs. He was in a vampire movie called Fright Night. And if, yeah, he, I'm if, Fright she, Night. if she has that VHS still, I want to see if I can get him to sign that because I loved that movie when I was a kid. I remember Fright Night. I think there's two of them. They did a remake. Yeah. Uh, they did a remake a few years ago that I don't think ever picked up any traction. No, I, I think there's a Fright Night part two, though. I'm saying I think there's, oh, a part there's one an actual part two. Part two. Yeah, oh. I think there's a part two. Like, I think I remember, I'm, I kind of remember having a VH tape. I swear there might be. I have to look it up and find out. I swear there, I think there is one. Okay, yeah, I didn't know if they ever did a two. I know they did a remake recently. Yeah, um, they did a remake yeah, with uh, Colin Farrell, I think it was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of stuff there. Uh, I think Mick Foley's going to be there, Kevin Nash. I'm going to try to get Mick Foley to sign uh, his the, book? the copy of his novel that I have. But again, I don't know if he's signing stuff like that. Like the rules are really weird. So, but anyway, yeah, I'll be there in Columbus. So I don't even remember that is like December, early in December. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that is that's it for me. 
Um, you guys got anything else? If not, then uh, I will catch everybody uh, on the next one. Uh, thank you guys for listening once again. We appreciate you guys. Obviously, we actually been listening to 49 states right now. If somebody knows somebody in Vermont, please ask them to listen to the episode, please. Because apparently we're in 49 state and Vermont is not one of them. So <laughs> go to Vermont, play yeah. the episode. Uh, Go on vacation, play the episode, so we can be heard in all 50 states. That would be wonderful. Look, everyone knows Actually, that Vermont does not like Star Trek. That's just a well-known fact. They only like Star Wars. Yeah, they don't like oh, us. It's, they it's don't like Star law. Trek. Oh, uh, we actually, we also need Puerto Rico. So, okay. yeah, if we get a listener in Puerto Rico and one in Vermont, then we've covered the U.S. Oh, that would be awesome. Hey, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys later. Later. <laughs>